There's been a lot of debate this season about who should start at quarterback, who shouldn't, what should the Saints do, and honestly, at this point in the year, I kind of think that's pointless. I'll tell you why right here on the Straight Up Saints podcast. You're listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast. What is up, guys? As always, the Straight Up Saints podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. And although the Saints have not done a lot of winning this year, only four and eight, you can win by betting $5 with promo code BOOT. And if you do win your bet, you get $150 in free bets. Again, promo code BOOT, as you see it on the screens, all capital letters, $5 to win $150 in free bets. Sounds like a pretty good deal, if you ask me. Now, I'm a victim of it. You're probably a victim of it. If you've spent any point in this season where you've talked about what the Saints need to do at quarterback, who deserves to start, who doesn't deserve to start, just raise your hand. I know I've done it a million times. Look, I think when we came into this year, a lot of us were like, this is the the final chance for Jameis to prove he can be, you know, franchise quarterback, be a starter on a good team. And then it kind of switched over when he got hurt to, okay, Andy Dalton fills in while he's hurt. Then some people wanted him to stick with Dalton. Others said, go back to Jameis. Others are still arguing about it. Then you have a small group that talks about starting Taysom Hill. And all that matters at this point is if you're in the year 2022 with a team that's four and eight arguing about whether or not Andy Dalton or Jameis Winston should be the starter, you're in a really bad spot. And I've seen a lot of people on Twitter over the last couple of days debate. And I, I haven't said anything really for two reasons. One, I haven't been feeling good. As you guys knew from the, the live stream on Sunday, I literally sounded like the Grim Reaper. And I completely lost my voice and I dealt with pretty crappy symptoms the whole week uh, and then turned out that I was just dealing with COVID. So that was lovely. And I'm feeling a lot better now. But looking at what I've seen on Twitter, I actually feel bad about the the state of Saints Twitter because over the last couple of days, I've seen people kind of just barking at each other and going down each other's throats and just nonstop yelling about who deserves to start, who should be benched. What's wrong? Does the coaching staff hate Jameis? Does the coaching staff have some weird love interest for Andy Dalton? I don't know what the explanation is. So what I did, I sat down, I looked at all the numbers, started looking at what's going on between these two. And I think it comes down to simply for me, two things. A, I think the Saints just feel like they, they're just not at a good point with Jameis Winston, whether that's Dennis Allen's relationship or the whole interview that came out or just it's something's up. Like if you don't see it, I don't know what to tell you. It's very clear that him and DA don't see eye to eye, but I think the other part of his too, statistically speaking, and I, I hate to use numbers right now because neither quarterback's particularly good. Andy Dalton, 7.5 yards per attempt. That's the same as Jameis. And again, with Jameis, the, the whole thing is right. You get the upside, the big plays. Well, the yards per attempt will tell you no, the adjusted net yards per attempt would de- tell you definitely no, because Jameis has less than him there. QBR-wise, 16 points higher for Andy Dalton this year. Sack uh, percentage, 8.7% of Jameis' plays. He was sacked, 4.9 for Andy Dalton. Now, you could say that was the offensive line, or you could say that he was holding the ball too long. You could use whatever narrative you would want. I don't have a narrative to push here. But it gets to my more important point, which this is what I really want to get at. I could throw the numbers in your face and talk about who's been a little bit better and adjusted net yards and all that, and I just don't think it really matters, right? Because when push comes to shove and the Saints go into the offseason, whether Dennis Allen is their head coach or not, guess what? Neither one of these guys will be their quarterback next year. Neither one should be. And I think, honestly, if they're going to bring either one back, I actually think they're more inclined to bring Andy Dalton back than they would Jameis. 
I'm not saying I want them to do that. I'm just saying what I think they could do. Although I think both guys are probably going to just go elsewhere. You know, you could say, hey, Jameis has a two-year deal. Look at the structure of that deal. They can get out if they do post-June 1st. They save a lot more money against the cap. Even if they do before June 1st, I think they still save about a little over $4 million. Are they going to take a dead cap hit? Sure, but they've been doing dead cap charges for the last decade. What's going to change now? So I I think Jameis probably goes elsewhere. Andy's a free agent. Don't really think you should bring Andy Dalton back, but who the hell knows? But anyway, my, my whole argument here is whether you are Team Jameis or you're Team Dalton, I see so many Saints fans fighting on Twitter. For what? There are five games left in this season. Five games left of having to deal with one of the most sad quarterback controversies slash battles of all time. Andy Dalton or Jameis Winston. You know, some teams have fun quarterback controversies. Zach Wilson or Mike White, that's a fun one, right? You got the kid from BYU who people think is a little spoiled and not accountable, and then Mike White comes in and lights it up against the Bears. That's a fun quarterback controversy. Last year, the whole Trey Lance, Jimmy G thing, there are fun ones. Even Mac Jones versus Bailey Zappi for two minutes was like kind of fun. The Jameis one versus Andy Dalton is not fun. Andy Dalton's in his mid-30s. We know exactly who Andy Dalton is as a quarterback. And Jameis Winston... No matter how hard Saints fans want it to happen, he's in year eight. He's not a rookie anymore. I see a lot of people saying, oh, well, they just got to put the right talent around him, right coaching, and he'll figure it out. It's just not happening in New Orleans. It's just not, you know, and I I think wherever he goes, I'll be rooting him on. I've, I've always actually been a fan of James Winston, but it's not happening, and I don't know if it will happen. I just don't think he's ever going to reach the ceiling that Saints fans wanted him to reach, and I'm sure the next team he goes to, some of their fan base will try to convince themselves, just like Saints fans did, that he could turn into a franchise quarterback, and maybe he will, but he probably won't because the history is telling us that it's not going to happen. So for me, that that's why when I see these people debating on Twitter, I come here today and I say, just stop arguing. You're arguing over two guys who are not going to be on this team next year. If you want to argue about Alante Taylor's role, go for it. Alante Taylor's going to be on the Saints for at least the next two, three years. You want to talk about what to do with Trevor Penning, what to do with Rashid Shaheed, Chris Olave, go for it. They're going to be here for a while. If you want to talk about Caden Ellis and whether or not he's played himself into a starting role, he's going to be a free agent. That's an interesting thing to talk about. But to talk about two underperforming quarterbacks who are not franchise quarterbacks, who are not committed to this team long-term, and frankly aren't worth an investment long-term, I just feel like we're wasting our time, aren't we? That, that's just the way I see it. So that, that's why I'm really not going to get involved in this. So I, you know, and, I, and I probably won't at any point. I'm just counting down the weeks that this thing is over because there's never been a dumber quarterback battle than this. There really hasn't. Last year's Taysom Hill-Jameis Winston one was way more compelling and way less hostile than this. And that, that's probably the thing I hate most about this. I know people are going to be like, hey, why are you spending the first six, seven minutes of your podcast complaining about Andy Dalton and Jameis Winston? You know, some people on Twitter, and even include myself, you almost don't even want to go on and start tweeting about the Saints because people just have to make it about these two guys. And man, this has been such a disappointing season. I don't want to make it about them at all. I want to talk about the people who have actually contributed to wins this year or contributed to future optimism because I'm actually going to be a little bit more optimistic in the second half of today's podcast, believe it or not, depending on how you might perceive the way this has started. So that's where I'll end this part. Andy Dalton's definitely not the future. I mean, he didn't really have a long future in the NFL anymore at this point in his career. And Jameis Winston is not the future. You you can't keep telling me that he's going to turn around. It it just hasn't happened. I'm wishing both of those guys the best, though. Neither one seems like a bad guy. They both seem like good dudes. Just not happening in New Orleans. That's why 
when people start bringing up different quarterbacks, and, and I'm not advocating for him, but when people start bringing up a Jimmy G or bringing up trading for like a Tyler Huntley or drafting someone like a Will Levis or a Tanner McKee or Anthony Richardson, like these are things where if people bring them up, don't argue about that because the Saints need to make a change about quarterback. You want to argue and say what your preference is, sure, but the people argue and go, uh, just bring Jameis back or just bring uh, some people, if you say bring Andy back, whatever. I just think that's really lazy to look at it because you cannot look at this year's team and say they don't need to make a change to the QB room. They need to overhaul the shit out of it. So it starts with getting rid of those two. And I, and I think they will after this year is over. So Saints are going to play the Bucks Monday night, Raymond James Stadium. I genuinely don't know what to make of this game. On one hand, I can be honest with you, I actually think the Buccaneers are in just as bad of a spot right now as the Saints. The only difference is they don't have their first-round pick taken away from them. They have their first-round pick. But the counter-argument is the Saints know they don't have a quarterback. The Buccaneers currently have one with Tom Brady, but I think Tom Brady will be playing for someone else next year. I don't know if it's the Titans. I don't know if it's the Raiders, the Niners, whoever the hell it might be. I don't know. But I think Tom Brady's gone after this year. And then Tampa Bay is either going to have to figure out if Kyle Trask can bowl or they're going to have to look around and say, okay, do we draft someone? Do we go after a veteran quarterback? They'll be in the market and kind of in quarterback hell like the Saints. Tom Brady took them out of quarterback hell for three years. They're going to go right back in at the minute he decides to leave. So they're in a bad spot. They're losing a lot of games that seem winnable. You look at the Browns game last week. They choked it in fourth quarter, and then in overtime, they end up losing. So they lose a lot of winnable games. Saints can relate to that. They're dealing with a decent amount of injuries. Saints can relate to that. They're dealing with a defensive coordinator as their head coach who is a really, really good coordinator in Todd Bowles. Not a good head coach, though. That is the case for both of them. Todd Bowles and DA, second time around for both of them that are being head coaches. And yet again, they're making the same mistakes that they made the first time around. I think they're showing you they're excellent coordinators, not good head coaches. And that is fine. I say it all the time. It is easier to be part of a boy band than it is to kind of make your move and go solo and make sure your albums start hitting. I know that's a lazy comparison, but it's, it's the truth. And we're seeing it for, for DA and we're also seeing it for Todd Bowles. So I see some similarities there. Offensively, being offensive, look at the Bucks' offense some weeks. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what their game plan is. Some weeks they abandoned the run. Some weeks they have no, no one's on the same page. Even Brady and Mike Evans have been off at times. I look at the Saints. Didn't score a freaking point last week, a single point. So these teams are kind of like mirror images of each other. The only difference which is why I, I, I go into Monday night's game saying, if I had a bet, I'd probably bet Bucks, but I really don't feel good about it, is that their quarterback doesn't shrink in prime time. Tom Brady relishes those moments. Andy Dalton, I believe he's like 0-11 or 0-12 now in prime time. I forgot what the number is. And it seems like a stupid number, right? Because win-loss is not a QB stat. I am one of those people who bangs that drum and, and, and says it constantly because it's not. It's, there's 53 guys on the roster blaming one dude. Granted, he has the most say. is lazy. Andy Dalton's two worst performances this year, though, have come in primetime. Thursday night against the Cardinals, where he had the two pick sixes and the three interceptions total. That was brutal. But I actually thought the Ravens game was even worse because the Cardinals game, there were moments where he, he looked good, right? The deep touchdown to Rashid Shahid. Second half, he got cooking a little bit. One pick six wasn't even his fault. It went right off of Callaway's hands. The Ravens game, though, looked timid. Missed Callaway in the end zone at the end of the first half. Got nothing going. Got sacked a lot. Just, just not a good showing for him. So I factored that in, right? Like, I do think that, honestly, defensively, the Saints have played really well over the last two weeks, and I think that will continue against the Buccaneers' offense, especially because Dennis Allen coaches very well 
against the Bucks offense and Tom Brady. He's just he's got their number. So I expect the defense to do their thing, especially because they're getting healthier, which I'll talk about in a minute. Offensively, though, are you going to be able to put up 14, 17 points? That's probably all you need. I, I know that's that's crazy, but I think of the Saints, if you told me they put 17 on Monday night, I'll probably say they win 17, 13, 17, 14. I just don't even know if they could get to that number. I don't even know if they could get to three right now because we just saw against the 49ers, they couldn't even do that. So that is where I get scared. So I go into Monday night's game, being honest, this, this is not a good opponent. But heck, I said that a couple weeks ago. I said it a couple weeks before that. The Bucs aren't a good team. They're under 500 for a reason. They have not been able to really get anything going despite everyone trying to hype them up because it's Tom Brady's team, but they're just not that good this year. But Andy Dalton's shown us that he's not good in prime time. And more importantly, the Saints have shown us, especially this season under DA, they're really not good at winning at consistent clips. So if they beat the Bucs, that means they've won two out of their last three games. I don't know if they can do that. They, they, we know they haven't won back-to-back games this year, but even winning two out of three has been tough for them. You know, Think about it. They win the Seahawks game. You feel good about them, but then they lose to the Bengals. Then they come right around and lose to the Cardinals. You got to give me some consistency. You know, you beat the, the Falcons week one, but then you lose to the Bucs. Then you lose to the Panthers. Then you lose to the Vikings. So they've really struggled winning games in stretches. So can they win two out of three? I, they could. Like, this is a bad Buccaneers team, but this is why I'm hesitant when I'm sitting here. So again, if I was a betting man, I'm probably betting Bucks, but I'm, I'm not feeling great about it at all. I'm really not. I actually think the Saints are, are probably playing better football right now. I just think that, this offense, especially in primetime with Andy Dalton, I just don't know if they're going to score. I just don't. They didn't score last week. I don't know. I'll definitely start, you know, popping off streamers and stuff once they finally put up a field goal on the board, though, because they'll finally break that little streak. But, yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm at with this. Now, I said the defense is getting healthier. Let me just pull up the, the injury report and talk about that. You have Pete Werner, who practiced on Thursday, and Thursday's really Wednesday for the injury report. So Friday's Thursday and Saturday's Friday and <sighs> Sunday, Saturday, and Monday, Sunday. That's the whole gist. But Lattimore practiced, which is great news. Pete Warner practiced, also great news. So, yeah, I mean, this is defense, which is really kind of ramped up the last two weeks. You put Lattimore back in there, gets to go up against his, uh, you know, non-biological son in Mike Evans. That's great news for the Saints if he gets to play. Getting Pete Warner back in there is almost bittersweet, right? Like, you're you're ecstatic that Pete Warner's back in there. But then your question, okay, how are they going to continue to use Caden Ellis? Because Caden Ellis, which I'll talk about in a second, has been outstanding. Either way, though, you got to be pumped that Pete Warner's back because Pete Warner was honestly the MVP of the defense before he went down. And I only say that because Marshawn Lattimore missed so much time this year, but I think if Lattimore's back and he's playing at his level, that changes things. I think this defense can really finish this year on a strong note. So we'll see what happens there. As for the rest of the injury report... There's a lot going on. P.J. Williams didn't practice. Kevin White didn't practice. Peyton Turner didn't practice. Same can be said about Contavious Street, Bradley Roby, Malcolm Roach, Juwan Johnson, J.T. Gray. A lot of injuries here. 15 to be exact. I was like, this is crazy. This is a CVS receipt. And I would know. I was at CVS a couple days ago. So I know those things are long as fuck. So I'm looking at this injury report. The, the things that I'm looking at, Juwan Johnson not participating, that's pretty upsetting. I hope he's all right. He has been one of the few positives this year. So you see, we'll see what's going on there. The rest of it, though, kind of as to be expected. Bradley Roby thing is is tough, right? Because Bradley Roby's had a bad season. But Bradley Roby, if he misses this game, that means we're going to be subjected to more Chris Harris Jr. probably. Or maybe not, but probably. And I just don't know what's going to happen there because 
The Saints keep telling us, well, Chris Harris Jr. is a great tackler, and he actually is their best tackler in the secondary, which is sad. You know, I was everyone was so frustrated with him last week. I don't know if fans even want to see him out there. So not that the fans get to, to say what's going on, but that's where I see when I see the Roby injury on the report, I go, okay, probably seeing more Chris Harris. But I'm very curious, though, if the Saints get Lattimore back in there, probably doesn't get a full amount of reps. They haven't done that with anyone to come back from injury. They've kind of eased them back in. But that at least gives them Lattimore, Adebo, and Alante Taylor on the outside. And we can finally start to make out what this secondary could be in the future. Because I know a lot of people have been really upset with the way Adebo's played earlier in the season. But the last couple games, he's been fantastic. And I thought against the 49ers, he was one of the lone bright spots in that game. Multiple pass breakups. A lot of great plays down the field and in the red zone. That's where he really stepped up. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see what he can do. You guys got to remember when Lattimore's in there, everyone gets to, you know what you say, they go up a peg. They kind of get to go down a peg in terms of like the caliber of receiver they're playing. And that's only going to benefit them. Early in the year, Adebo's going up against the likes of uh, Devontae Adams or the likes of a, excuse me, Jamar Chase. And you, you see where that gets affected. So, I think for him, the fact that he is playing better and Lattimore's coming back now, that's going to be great. We could kind of get a better idea of what's going on with the Debo. Where's he, where's he at in year two? And we also get to see with Delonte Taylor how he plays off of them. And I'm excited to see how that unfolds. So I said I was going to finish on an optimistic note. I am actually. I think this season's over. I've, I've said this a while. And I know I, it's hilarious that I just said that after I said I was going to be optimistic. But I, by saying that, there are certain things I'm looking for at the end of the year, and some of them are already coming to fruition that make me excited, and there's some that I'm still waiting to see, but I'll start, you know, pro, uh, like seeing if there's any progress over the last five games. Let's start off with some of the quick hitters. First one is Caden Ellis. Caden Ellis, I've always been a fan of his game. I, I never thought he was going to be a player of this caliber. I just thought he was a nice role player, helps on special teams, but a really good guy, and those are easy glue guys, right? Like Craig Robertson had a home in the NFL for a long time being that. Kane Ellis is much more. Kane Ellis, just this year alone, 52 total tackles, four and a half sacks, two passes defended, six QB hits. That is, that's, those are really good numbers for a player who hasn't really had a major role until three weeks ago. So the fact that he's doing all that is great. I said 52 tackles, 30 of them, I'm sorry, 32 of them, I believe, are over the last three games alone. So he is, he's been exceptional. He's been all over the football. Love to see that from him. And I honestly think he's played well enough that after this year, when he becomes a free agent, Saints have to prioritize him in free agency. Like, I think this is a player that you should bring back. Only 27 years old, still has a lot of mileage left because he hasn't been utilized as much as other players because he was recovering from injuries coming out of his first year. Remember, he tore his ACL three games into his rookie season. So he's been great. Another sign that I like to see, Rashid Shahid getting more usage. I mean, we know that Rashid's got the speed and I know that kind of like, rhymes a little bit, but if you see what, what the uses the Saints have been given over the last couple of weeks, it's kind of fluctuated, right? One big play, one big play, barely see him, one little catch. I thought the Niners game, him getting three targets, you might say, oh, that's nothing, but okay, he had three targets in the last three games combined prior to that. So for him to get three in one game, really encouraged by that. I think they got a player here. I think Rashid Shahid is a really interesting weapon. Do I think he's going to become some elite receiver? Absolutely not. Do I think that he can be a role player, though, that could have game-breaking speed? Yes. And I do think that as long as he's healthy, he's dealing with a back injury at the moment, I think that he's going to break a, a really, really good punt return in the next couple, uh, next couple games. Maybe even Monday night if he plays. Like 
He's getting there. There were a moment during the Niners game where I thought he was going to break one and he was close. And I think he's getting there. Remember, this was a record-setting kick returner at the collegiate level at, um, at Weber State. So I think that he's going to be a big piece for them moving forward. And I've been encouraged with him. So that's something that I stash. Chris Olave, I'm not going to really say much. We thought he was going to be good. He's been really good. That, that's all I'll leave it at. He's been awesome. And I'm excited to see how he continues to grow. Trevor Penning finally getting on the field. Look, had a face mask penalty against the Niners. That was costly. Don't get me wrong. But you're trying to get him acclimated. Any snaps he plays this year, that's a win in my book because of the injuries he had. And you might have thought, hey, he might not play. Well, he is playing now. And if he gets those snaps up and you can finish the year going, okay, I feel really good about him getting that chance to be the full-time left tackle in 2023. Job is done there. You did a good job. You go into the offseason with a little optimism about Trevor Penning. Alante Taylor, I know he really didn't get to start last game, and it made no sense in my opinion. I know he's a bad tackler. I get that. I totally get that. But the kid's got talent. If it wasn't for a bogus illegal contact call, he would have had a game-changing pick last week. I've been pleased with Alante Taylor. His tackling does need to get better, though. Like This isn't a nitpicky thing. I think Nick Underhill did a great job of really opening up a lot of people's eyes, including myself, to this. It's about channeling the aggression that he has because he's going in with the intent to hit. But when you fly in recklessly, you open yourself up for mistakes. And I think that's where he's got to work on. But overall, though, really impressed with him. Doesn't stop there, though. I mentioned Juwan Johnson before. What Juwan Johnson's done this year, and I'll pull up the numbers real quick, he's been excellent. Juwan Johnson this season, 31 catches for 349 yards and five touchdowns. Two seasons before that, he had four touchdowns total and a little over two, uh, a little over 190 yards. So he's been great. Really pleased with what he's done. He's turned himself into a serviceable tight end. And for the Saints, when they had a lot of questions at that position, that is a, a big thumbs up from me right there. Another offensive player that has given me optimism, Cesar Ruiz. Year one, year two, really difficult to get on board. And there's, the funny thing is, I have a lot of old tweets from me talking about how excited I was the Saints drafted Cesar Ruiz because I liked watching him in Michigan. And admittedly, I watch a lot of Big Ten football, so I was excited about the pick. And it hasn't panned out, but this year, you saw him turn the corner, full offseason, more consistent. And now the question is, like, is he able to take another leap of that caliber? Because we'll have another year with the coaching staff under his belt. We'll have another year of an offseason that seems mostly stable. And I, I think that's going to be big for him. So I'm really, really excited about the future of Cesar Ruiz and the fact that he's played so well this year. And he's also been healthy. I want to mention that real quick. He has not, and I know now I probably jinxed the poor guy, so I apologize in advance, but Cesar Ruiz has been one of the lone guys who hasn't really been on the injury report this year. Whatever he's doing, keep doing it. And availability matters in this league, and he is available. So really want to tip my cap to Cesar Ruiz and what he's been able to do. I think he's been one of the few bright spots this season. That is for sure. So those are a lot of them. Now, I could go into disappointments all day and talk about the safeties and whatever, but like, this is a season that hasn't been great, right? Four and eight. I I, I thought they were going to be a nine and eight and 10 and seven team. So um, I'm already out of this in terms of predicting what they could have been this year. They, they've been a disappointing team, but they're not an awful roster. And because of that, and because they have a lot of young talent, I think over the next five games, you obviously want to see them win these games, unless you're on the fire Dennis Allen bandwagon, then you're just rooting for losses. But I can't get behind rooting for losses. I just can't. You're rooting for wins, but you're also rooting for growth in these younger players and seeing development. And right now, a lot of those names that I just mentioned, you are seeing development. Now we got to wait to see from Trevor Penning, but you're seeing it. And I'll add one more because I just tweeted at it uh, on Thursday. Blake Gillikin in October was bad. Like I, I, 
And I said on this podcast, some of you guys were on the live stream comment about you're worried about Blake Gillikin. November, net average punt yards, 41.1. His previous high in any month this season was 42.1. More importantly, though, punts inside the 20-yard line, nine of them in the month of November. In October and September combined, he had 10. So he's starting to get back into form, and that's great news for the Saints if he is because that takes your special teams game up a notch, and they totally need that because they're not a complete team. You got to start checking off boxes in certain phases. So I started off this podcast ranting about the whole QB nonsense because I think it's the most pointless quarterback debate in the history of quarterback debates. I really do. But I'm going to finish it by saying, look, five games left, a lot of young talent. You have to figure out how you're going to retool this roster next year anyway. So let's start rooting for some growth from our young players. And I think you're seeing that a lot over the last couple of games. And I kind of think that's going to show, especially on Monday night. And if that does show, maybe they got a chance of beating the Bucs. And this hasn't been a great season. It hasn't. But beating the Bucs on Monday night would feel pretty good, especially knowing that the Saints, over the last two times at Raymond James Stadium, they've won 9-0 and 38-3. Another dominant showing, especially on the defensive side, would be pretty damn awesome. And we'll see if that happens. And if it does... I'll be here to cover it on the Straight Up Saints podcast, the destination for listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast.